Good morning. Welcome to Christ the Cornerstone. Are you glad to be in the Lord's house today? Are you glad to be in the Lord's house today? Amen. Come on, let's stand together as we begin. We welcome those of you that are worshiping with us online. Today we have come to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And behold His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. We worship you today, God. And we welcome you, Holy Spirit.
God, we, God, we give you praise today. Jesus Christ, the Lord, has come to be with us, has come to dwell with us, has come to live with us, lived and died and rose again. Go and see that empty tomb. That song says, he's not there, for he is risen. Every heart, prepare him room. Jesus Christ, the King of heaven. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you for the privilege of being together in your house today, whether we're worshiping in this room or whether we're online. God, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would flow in and through us, that wherever we are, whenever we're watching this, that, Lord, we would sense your anointing and your blessing. Holy Spirit, move among us today in the moments that we have together. Speak to us, we ask, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. We'll give the Lord praise today. And then you can be seated. Thank you. Well, again, we want to welcome you to Christ the Cornerstone and thank you for being here with us. We're getting closer to Christmas. It looks like we've got Mrs. Santa Claus right over here in the red dress. Just wave to us, Mrs. Claus. Good to have you today. She's embarrassed and she'll never speak to me again. But it's good to be together in the house of the Lord. There are so many things that happen around here uh, in our church that we are so grateful for. Uh, And uh, so we're going to tell you about those in a couple of minutes. But first, we just want to make sure that we welcome you again, whether you're here or whether you're worshiping online. If you're new today, if you've never been here before or you've only been here a few times, uh, we want to extend a special welcome to you. If you're new and you're in the room, when you leave the sanctuary today on the left side of the mall is our Connect Central. We encourage you to stop by there and pick up a free gift that we have for you. You'll have a chance to meet some folks in the church, find out information about the ministries that we have going on here, and how you might be able to get involved. If you're new and you're online, there's an I'm New Here button in the upper right-hand corner of the screen. If you would just click that, and it will take you to our Connect card, magically. Uh, So those of you that are online, you can get that Connect card. Those of you that are here in the room, you can get that same Connect card. And uh, we want to encourage you to, to fill this out every time you worship with us. Sometimes you might come in and you, you're here and you're like, ah, I fill this thing out all the time. We just want to make sure that we know that you're here or you're not because when you're not or when you don't fill out a card after a certain period of time, you're probably going to get a phone call and somebody's going to say, hey, we miss seeing you at church and you're going to say, oh, I'm there every week, but I just don't fill out a card. So if you would just help us with that, uh, it might save you uh, uh, from receiving a phone call. Is that fair enough? So if you would just let us know who's here and uh, who's worshiping with you, uh, that would be great. Also, if you could take those and uh, communicate any prayer needs or praise reports that you might have with us, and uh, we will make note of that. Uh, All right? Is that good information? All right, so now we're uh, changing up the order of service a little bit over how we've been doing it recently, and uh, now we're going to take a couple of minutes and check out some of the activities that we have going on around our church. Welcome to CTC and thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. We have a lot going on at our campuses, so we wanted to take a few minutes and get you caught up. 
We have scheduled a church cleaning day to prepare our bare campus facility for the guests that we are expecting during the Christmas season. On Saturday, December 16th at 9 a.m., anyone is invited to come and help us with doing a thorough cleaning of our mall and celebration room. You don't need to bring any supplies or equipment. Just come and help us show good stewardship of the worship spaces that God has blessed us with. To learn more or to sign up, email Tim Slagle at tslagle at ctcde.church. Our Ellesmere campus is hosting a community Christmas sing-along. Join us on Sunday, December 17th at 7 p.m. for cookies, cocoa, and carols. It will be a fun night of singing, fellowship, and getting to know our neighbors in the area. This event is a part of the Burka Illuminary Night. Just follow the candlelit pathway into the church. No need to sign up. Just come and enjoy singing your favorite Christmas carols. We are looking forward to celebrating Christmas together as a church family. Our Bear Campus will host Christmas Eve services at 6 p.m. on December 23rd and at 9 and 11 a.m. on the 24th. We will broadcast live at 9 a.m. on the 24th. Our Ellesmere Campus will host their Christmas Eve services on December 24th at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. We encourage you to invite your family and friends to be with us for worship at one of these times. Thanks for being here today. Our prayer is that you leave feeling encouraged and closer to God than ever. Please let us know if there's anything you need while you're here. You can find more information about all of our ministries by going to ctcde.church. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Have a great week. some activities that are happening around here, ways that we can love, serve, and engage. And uh, so I hope that you will participate in all of those things where, uh, whenever, whenever you can. It's a good time to get together. One thing that's coming up in January is a course called Alpha. Alpha is a great time for us to invite people to come and just ask questions about the Christian faith. That's, it's really more about questions than answers, but there are a lot of people in our world who are wondering about uh, our faith. They don't uh, understand uh, God and His love for us, and, and it's a good time to do that. So our Alpha course will begin January 14th on Sundays uh, at the, during the 11 o'clock worship time. So we will still have worship up here at 11 o'clock, but also uh, those who want to participate in Alpha can, can do that. I hope that you would come uh, to the 9 o'clock service and then stay for Alpha at 11 o'clock uh, afterwards. But what I'm asking you to do is think about, pray about and think about somebody that you might be willing to invite to come to Alpha. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe you know that it's somebody that you know that just has questions about the Christian faith. It just doesn't all make sense. Life doesn't make sense. But Alpha is an opportunity for people to come together in a very safe environment to, to listen to, to uh, some, some truths from the Scriptures and to talk and to ask those kinds of questions. So be praying about that this season and who can, who can you invite to participate in Alpha. 
I want to give thanks to you for your generosity. And, you know, we have our angel tree uh, out in the... Somebody was asking me about the angel tree and how come there aren't any cards on it. Well, it's because you're so generous. And, <laughs> and people are taking them and taking care of people, uh, taking care of others during the Christmas season. And that's, that's wonderful. Uh, we have some scriptures that we like to share with each other as we think about giving and, and saying to God, God, I trust you even with my finances. So I'd like for us to read these scriptures together so that we can be reminded each week that trusting God is with our finances, with all of our resources, is part of our faith-growing experience. So let's read this out loud together. It says, If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Powerful scripture. Well, let's stand again as we continue worshiping God during this Christmas season and uh, we sing, the team comes back. Uh, Let me offer this prayer as we continue worshiping God. Heavenly Father, we ask you in these moments when we lift our voices in praise to you that your presence will come upon us, not just around us, but come into our hearts, come into our minds as we reflect and remember and sing and pray and listen to you this morning. Come, Holy Spirit. We need your presence today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. 
praise forever. King of kings and Lord of lords. The story of our redemption is what we just sang. From the beginning to the end. Jesus came so that we might have life. And on that night that Jesus was born, the scripture tells us that there were shepherds living out in the fields watching over their flocks multitude of angels appeared to them singing glory to God in the highest peace and honor and goodwill to men so God today we come to echo the voices of those angels as we worship you and sing together and hark the herald angels sing glory to the Yeah. 
God, we praise you. We worship you. We give glory to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Good morning. You all may be seated. I want to invite to uh, up to the platform some uh, uh, Linda and uh, some others who... Uh, <laughs> Uh, from our Grief Share group. We want to take, you know, Christmas season uh, is a joyful time. It's supposed to be. But we also know that for a lot of people it's a difficult time. And, and one of the things that I want us to be as a church is a, is a church that, that understands that for the Christmas season, not everybody feels the joy and the happiness, especially those who have experienced grief uh, or are experiencing grief and have lost a loved one in the past year, or maybe it was even before then that uh, someone has passed away. So on your tables this morning, or on your chairs, or near you, there's a little red cardinal, uh, a Christmas ornament. Looks just like this one. And uh, we want you to take that Christmas ornament, and, uh, and if you're remembering uh, someone who's passed away this Christmas, we're inviting you to write their names on the back side of this, uh, of this ornament, Linda's going to come and we're going to read a poem. And uh, then those who are lighting the candles up here are going to take their ornaments and place them on the white Christmas trees that are here in the room. And you see, there are already some cardinals on those trees from the folks that gathered last night and worshipped with us last night. And the reason that we're doing this is so that as we continue to celebrate the season through, through the, the, the Sunday and into Christmas Eve and, and through Christmas, that we all can hold each other in prayer and care for one another, regardless of the experience that we're having uh, emotionally or whatever through the Christmas season. So it, it gives us an opportunity to include everybody in the season, even if for some people it's a sad time, it's a frightening time. And it, it, whatever the loss is that, that you're remembering, we're inviting you to uh, write those names or, or a remembrance of that. Uh, and then after the service this morning, the rest of you will have an opportunity during our prayer time to come and place your ornaments on these trees also so that we can hold one another together in prayer. But I'll remind you of that before the service is over. But let's take time now to just reflect and think about those who we love, who we, we've cared for, as Linda reads the poem, and others are going to light these four candles uh, that are on the table before us. Four candles, a poem that brings memories of joy shared, love embraced, and time spent together. The first candle represents our grief. The pain of losing you is intense. It reminds us of the depth of our love for you. The second candle represents our courage to confront our sorrow, to comfort each other, and to change our lives. This third candle we light in your memory. For the times we laughed, the times we cried, the times we were angry with each other, the silly things you did the caring and joy you gave us. This fourth candle we light for our love. We light this candle that your light will always shine. As we enter this holiday season and share this night of remembrance with our family and friends, we cherish the special place in our hearts that will always be reserved for you. 
We thank you for the gift your living brought to each of us. We love you. We remember you always. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this short remembrance time. But we do hold one another up, God. For those in this service today, God, this is just a moment of of reflecting. But for those who are experiencing grief, it's a much longer period of time. We lift them up to you. We ask you to be gracious to those who are grieving and, and that they would know your peace, that they would feel your comfort in their lives, that as we greet one another throughout this season, that we would all feel included in, and to participate in the, the, the festivities regardless of the circumstances around us. We're here, God, to celebrate you and the life that you give to us the hope of everlasting life and the salvation that Jesus brings to us. So thank you, God, for your mercies, for your kindness, for your salvation, for the hope of everlasting life. We're grateful. Come and fill us with your presence. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. So after the service, after the message, I'll invite you to come during prayer if you want to hang your, uh, your cardinal on the tree as these others are doing. Uh, you may do that. Then. All right. Great. Great to see Nolan. <laughs> doing a good job. Want to dismiss the children? Thank you. April said, come on, this is, that's the next thing. I'm thinking you're getting ready to go into the sermon. And I should have done that. A second to go, but let's ask the kids to come forward. Go with, go with Miss April. Let's give them a quick blessing. Heavenly Father, we ask you to be with these. We thank you for our young ones and those who are uh, sharing your stories and your truths and your love with them. We ask you to bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Very good. Thank you. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah. Our, our message series this, this season is called The Winter of Our Contentment. And as we're thinking about that, last week we started it by defining contentment probably too simply as this. Contentment is the absence of strife. But now as we go through this series, we're going to look at how complicated that is. And I've been feeling that as I've been preparing these messages, that contentment isn't quite as easy to get and grasp and hold on to as I thought it might have been. But that's a good thing because life is never as simple as we think it might, might be. But today's theme teaches us that one way of finding and living in that contentment is to let go. So if you remember one thing, just let, let go. Some of us have heard the phrase, let go and let God. And that, that kind of pulls it all together too. But there, in, in life, we always have some kind of strife, don't we? I mean, and, and, and striving is, is actually a good thing. 
But I think what God wants us to do is to go through striving even with contentment. So even though we define contentment as the absence of strife, that's not exactly realistic. There are times when we need to strive. We need to go through difficult experiences. We need to do it with a, with a sense of contentment even though we're going through tough times. So how do we do that? And, and the thought I've got for this morning is just letting go. Let's look at some scriptures, some examples of how people in the Bible have experienced contentment by letting go. And the, the thought that came to my mind came from, the, from Joshua in chapter 5, the book of Joshua. So we want to look at that this morning. Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. If you remember the people of God, the Israelites, God called them to come out of Egypt. Moses led them out of Egypt. Moses led them for 40 years in the wilderness. God said to Moses, because of some things that Moses did, Moses, you will see the promised land, but you will not enter it. So Moses had 40 years they've been wandering. And and who? Uh, Was it just five, six, ten people? No, It was between 300,000 and a million people wandering for 40 years through the desert. 40 years. That's an entire generation of people. In fact, the Bible tells us that, that everyone who came out of Egypt did not get into the Promised Land. Most of them didn't. So an entire generation had passed. A new generation had been born wandering in the wilderness. Finally, Joshua. God selected Joshua to be the leader of the people after Moses to lead them into the promised land. So Joshua gets them to the edge of the promised land, starting going into the promised land, and they have to take over this city called Jericho. And, and the day, this, so we look at that situation when, when, now talk about strife. They're going in to take over. They see this walled city, an ancient walled fortified by many different cultures over the time. And now, the, and now God says, this is your land, you're going to take it. How? How are we going to do this? And the verse 13 says, when Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in hand. Walking along, all of a sudden, there's this man standing in front of me with a sword. Joshua says, are you a friend or a foe? (laughs) Oh, that's kind of guarded if you're at that point saying that. I'm not sure, you know, I, I, in my skepticism of people, I would probably presume a foe. (laughs) But that tells you a little bit more about me than about Joshua. Are you friend or foe? The man replies, neither. I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this point, I would say, okay, I'm Joshua. I am the God-appointed leader of these hundreds of thousands of people. I just gave you two options. I wouldn't have this position of leadership, thinks Joshua, if I didn't have some command. 
And I just said to you, are you friend or foe? There's only two choices. You're talking to the commander of all these people. And I expect an answer. And the answer that you just gave me doesn't fit my expectations. Well, let's look to see what Joshua did. Neither one. I am the commander of the Lord's army. And at this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. I I think it's striking that in this occasion, Joshua, having been empowered, having been put in place in this position of power and great decision-making for the people of God, in an instant, recognizes that he himself must surrender. He expected to be in command of this situation, but he changed his expectations. In other words, he let go of that which was his. Why? Well, God's plan was coming from the commander of God's army. And Joshua was willing to let go of his expectations. If we're wanting to live a life of contentment, one of the things that we just might need to do is let go of some of our expectations, if not lots of them. You do realize that most, con- most conflict it has to do with one person's expectations versus another person's expectations. You go into a restaurant. What do you expect? I expect my food to be hot. (laughs) Your plate comes to you, your pancakes. The elders and I met yesterday at at a restaurant just to have breakfast together in this Christmas season. I ordered pancakes and sausage because I like pancakes and sausage. And they were good and hot. It was what I expected. I'm the kind of guy that I probably would have eaten it even if it wasn't hot. I would have said, oh, these are cold, but I'm hungry. I'm not sending it back. I know some of you won't do that because I've been with some of you and I've seen how you say, this is not what I'm paying for. This is not what I expected. Now, the the, the server is also expecting us to say that. So, you know, I'm I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I'll just eat it. Unless it's frozen. I'm like, wait a minute. I do remember going to, my, my I was little, my parents and I were uh, in Lancaster, uh, I don't know why, but um, we'd gone to a restaurant and I ordered, yeah, stupid order, but I was a kid. I ordered a fish sandwich, a filet of fish sandwich. It was, it was like, you know, the little square fish. I don't know where they swim, but it was one of the little, <laughs> one little square fish on a bun. And, and, and they, pro- they probably microwaved it and it still had, it was frozen in the middle of it. And so, you know, we knew that that was not the top quality restaurant. <laughs> and, and I'm not going to tell you where that was. And I don't know if it's still there. That was, that was 40 years ago at least. And, uh, 
so anyway, so when we don't get what we expect, there's, there's always a conflict in there. But we have to learn how to manage our expectations and to be able to talk about our expectations. And if we're going to find some contentment, we need to be able to say, I expected this. And then the other person says, well, I expected this. So my pancakes are cold. I expected them to be hot. The server comes and the server says, well, yeah, we expected to serve you cold or warm, hot pancakes. So we apologize for that. Let me take that. I will get some fresh ones for you right now. Done, right? Contentment. Let go of your expectations. Just might want to consider that. Let's Joshua let go of his expectations. But look what happens next. When Joshua lets go of his expectations, he opens himself up to something new. And in letting go of his expectations, he opens himself up to be able to hear God's expectations. And if, we, and if we go through life all the time with demanding God do this, God do this, this is what I expect of you, God. This, we, 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 we risk putting up a barrier so that we're not willing or capable of hearing what God is trying to say to us. God, I know that this is not what I expected in this life. And God, I'm telling you that even what I read in the Scriptures, that's not what I expected from reading Your own Word, God. What is this about? And in that moment, when we let go of our expectations, we ask the question, God, help me understand why what You say in Scripture is not matching up with what I trusted You to do. And now, God, I'm willing to hear You speak to me. So, letting go of our expectations helps us listen to God's expectation for us. But we're not often willing to listen to God's expectations until we have let go of our expectations. Another thing that we might need to let go of is our our attempts to control. <laughs> this, this is not going to sound good. Be careful, Roger. <laughs> I'm going to talk about my mom and dad because that's easier than talking about me and Carolyn. <laughs> I could hear, hear my mom in heaven. Don't tell that story. Driving down the car, driving down the road in the car. The temperature is not right. Dad's the pilot of the car. Mom is cold. Mom says, Dad, Mom knows Dad is driving. So she just takes control of the temperature settings in the car. And she does it this way. Dad doesn't like that. <laughs> He says, why did you do that? So there's this conflict about what's happening because mom's trying to take control over the car or whatever. I know that's a silly, silly illustration. Don't know why that, why that, why that one came. But then there's, you know, there are times when we just like to be in control of things. And one of the things that we might need to let go of is to, okay, if I'm going to let God do something in my life, I need to step back. I need to stop trying to force this thing. I need to stop trying to control things. And then again, we open ourselves up to the question, God, how do you want to control this situation? 
How have you equipped me to be able to respond to this simple, this situation? Think about this phrase. We can't always control, but we can always surrender. We don't like that word surrender. But let's talk about that for a minute. I think I was thinking about the surrender of General Lee during, at the end of the Civil War to, to General Grant in Appomattox. And I remember reading about that once and, and, and how with great dignity General Lee came into the courthouse at Appomattox. They had a calm conversation defining the terms of the surrender. There was no bloodshed between the two. There was no anger between the two. There was probably likely disappointment. But, but General Lee knew that this was what needed to happen. He had been defeated. Therefore, he surrendered. Here's the thing that I get that we think of surrender as an absolute abolishment. We think of surrender as failure. We think of surrender as, as a complete degradation of the person. General Grant still respected the man who was surrendering. And think, I th- as I was reading that, I was thinking about what courage it takes to lay down your weapons in the face of the man that you once called your enemy. What courage it takes to lay down and say, I'm no longer going to fight. I'm no longer going to seek to control this situation. But instead, I'm going to yield to you. I think we see, we see Joshua doing the same thing. He, he let go his expectations. He let go his control. He went down on his face. And he said, I am at your service. What do you want me to do? We want to live a life of contentment. We might have to do some of these things. We can't always control, but we can always surrender. And remember, surrender is not meaning to just lose yourself. General Lee and his soldiers walked away to go live life. Pastor Vaughn and Gwen a couple of weeks ago went to see the movie Napoleon. And this is one of the, one of the things that I brought, took away from the movie Napoleon. And I remember the scene where Napoleon had just conquered the Austrian army. And the king of Austria comes into the tent with Napoleon. And, and they have this extremely pleasant conversation. It shocked me. It's not what I expected. I don't know what I did expect. I guess I thought maybe Napoleon would have his sword, swords drawn or he'd have guards there. But they, they walked very casually. They sat down at a table. They were served wine together. They were, they were hospitable to each other as they discussed the terms of the surrender. And it was very clear that Napoleon was absolutely in charge. <laughs> But it was also very respectful. 
So to surrender is just is is not not a total defeat. It's a letting go. It's a surrendering. And that's what God asks us to do in our lives to Him. Surrender your life to Me. Follow My ways. And you will live. Trust Me. And think about this also, that that General Lee absolutely had to trust General Grant and the soldiers. The northern soldiers that were standing outside. And all of them were expected to behave with decorum and properly. Consider this other idea. With God, surrender comes before victory. If we want to experience victory in our lives, we've got to first surrender to God. Now, we could go the other way around. We could say, ah, General Grant had the victory. Napoleon got the victory. That's the way it works in our world. The victory happens and then the surrender comes. But with God, it's the other way around. When we surrender ourselves to God, then we will get the victory. Because, look, this is all based on the person of Jesus Christ who died on the cross but rose from the grave. And the only way Jesus could rise from the grave is if He submitted Himself to the death of the cross. And the truth is for us also. We want to live. Jesus says this. You must surrender yourself and follow Me. With God, surrender comes before victory. Now that's Joshua. We see him surrendering. If you want to know the rest of Joshua's story, read the rest of Joshua chapter 5. Because the next thing, the commander of his army, he gives Joshua the directions for conquering the city of Jericho. Had Joshua not surrendered himself, he would never would have conquered the city. You know, if we want to live our lives, we've got to surrender ourselves to God as well. But let's, look, let's jump to the New Testament and let's talk about Christmas for a minute. A minute. We know the Christmas story. <laughs> let's focus on Joseph, the man who asked Mary to marry him. And let's, let's read Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 18. I've got to open it. Not prepared. There we are. We know that the birth of Jesus happened this way. This is how the Messiah, Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. He decided to break the engagement quietly. Some other translations use the word divorce here. And in our culture, we say, well, but they're not married. Why do they need a divorce? That's because in those days, when a man said, I will marry this woman, and the woman agreed to marry the man, that was a legally binding agreement. It was contractual at that moment. The only way to break the engagement was to have a legal divorce. 
And a divorced woman in those days, especially a pregnant woman out of wedlock, we have words for those women in our culture today that are inappropriate to use. Had Joseph divorced her, she would have been good for dead. Her family would have rejected her. She would have no family to go to. She would have no one to support her in her life. Let your imagination go. The kind of life that she would live after that. So Joseph, still caring for her, not understanding because what he'd heard didn't match his expectations. He decided to divorce her quietly. Being as gracious as he, as he could. But, look at the word here. He decided to disgrace her quietly. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a powerful word, that word disgrace. Uh, the opposite of putting on grace, we're going to put on disgrace. As he considered this, verse 20 says, An angel of the Lord appeared to him. Wait a minute, Joseph. (laughs) Don't get ahead of yourself. Let go your expectations because God wants to do something different. And he says, the angel says to, appears to him in a dream and says, Joseph, son of David. Now, Joseph, remember where you came from. You are from the line of King David. God's chosen king, God's chosen people, God's chosen one through whom God said the Savior of the world will come. Joseph, hold on a minute. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Why would Joseph be afraid to take Mary as his wife? Because she's pregnant. And people aren't going to understand that. God, you're asking me to do something that the rest of the world is going to mock me for? And even today, people say, yeah, give me virgin, virgin birth. Yeah, we know how things work. Somebody did something. <laughs> Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child. Why? Because the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will have a son. Name him Jesus. Why? Because He will save His people from their sins. God has another plan. But if Joseph was not willing, like Joshua, by the way, the names Joshua, Joseph, and Jesus all mean the same thing. Savior. They're all variants of the same meaning. Look what God is doing in the world. Thank you, God. If Joseph was unwilling to let go his expectations, to let go of his control, to, 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 to not listen to what God was speaking to him through this angel, none of us would have the faith and the experience with God that we have. All of this Matthew says, verse 22, occurred to fulfill 
the Lord's message through his prophet, which said, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph woke up, eh, we've heard this language before, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. You know, I wonder if this was the same angel that met with Joshua. There's a good thought, isn't it? Because this angel gave a command and the response is both. He did what the angel commanded. And he took Mary as his wife. And verse 25 finishes it. It says, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Got some questions to leave you with this morning. Are you experiencing any strife in your life that you need to let go of? <laughs> Don't answer that out loud. Of course we all do. Of course we all do. If you let go of your expectations, what would happen? I remember when uh, a little story about me and Carolyn when we were dating. We, were, we lived 800 miles apart. This was back in the day when there was no email, there was no internet. Long distance phone calls through landlines were expensive. <laughs> according to according to our budget, we wrote letters in cursive to each other. <laughs> and we could read it. <laughs> we were falling in love with each other. Oh, come on, stop. And 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 we were still 800 miles apart. We had seen each other for only a week during that entire year. Not even a week. You know, we'd travel and, and, and meet up just for short periods of time. And uh, then she graduated from college and had to make a decision. Where do I go after college? I was living in Georgia. And I invited her to move to the city where I was living. I would arrange for a, an apartment or for I would arrange for a, a, a temporary house. I was working in a church and so I had some friends in the church that were willing to let Carolyn stay in a room until she found a more permanent place. But Carolyn had to make that decision. That was her decision to make. Do I move in order to establish a, 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 a relationship with Roger that might turn into something, might turn into a marriage? Well, I mean, we had never we had never even sat at a restaurant together having a meal together, just the two of us. I didn't know if when she ate soup it dribbled down her cheek or... I don't know. She's, she's in the back. She's going, you're going to pay for that one. Carolyn had made a promise to herself. Carolyn made a promise to herself. She had an expectation of how to live her life. Jonathan's going back to see my wife. Go minister to her, Carolyn, or Jonathan. <laughs> Carolyn had set an expectation for her own life. And she promised herself, I will never move for a man without having the ring on my finger. That was a conviction that she had last night when I said that. I got applause from the women. <laughs> and I absolutely encourage. You, women make those kinds of convictions in your own heart. Absolutely. But I was asking Carolyn to break her expectation of her own life. She didn't know what to do with that. She went to one of her professors in school that she, that she trusted. 
And the professor asked her, So what? If you move down there and it doesn't work out, so what? What would you do next? Carolyn said, Well, I guess I would. Well, if I had a good job, if I had, could sustain myself, I'd probably stay there and move on with my life, or I might move home to Delaware and, and get a job there and move on with my life. The professor said, Yep. <laughs> Carolyn said, Oh. She decided to go ahead and move down there. We arranged it. I drove to Kentucky. We, 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 we got all of her stuff. And on the way back to Kentucky, I didn't know she had made that promise to herself. And on the way back to Georgia, I asked her to marry me. Good man, finally. It was a little bit slow. She didn't have the ring on her finger yet, but she had the commitment. And, and I don't, I, that, that's, not a, that's not a miracle story. That's just an illustration that when we expect things, we can trust God with our life. God will lead us. God will provide for us. God will show the way. We can trust God with our lives. But we've got to let go of our expectations. We've got to be willing to listen to God's expectations and plans for us. We've got to be willing to act on them instead of on our own wisdom. Trust God with your life. So as we come and we pray today, and remember, if, and maybe some of you, if you've got a cardinal, if, you're, if, if grief is heavy on you this season, maybe this is, you just need to say, God, I'm going to let you walk me through this grief this season. I used to love Christmas, you may be saying, but this is a hard Christmas, God. Help me through it. Or maybe you've got another decision to make. Or maybe something happened in your life that you didn't expect and you don't know how to go forward with that. Or you're holding on to anger and bitterness and you don't want to hold on to that anger and bitterness anymore. And you expected that your life would be such that you didn't have this discontentment. And God is saying, I don't want you to be discontent, but your circumstances might remain the same. But my Holy Spirit will come upon you to give you the peace that comes through trust in Jesus Christ. That can make this Christmas the most blessed Christmas you'll ever experience. So let's stand together and let's pray. And let's, I invite you to bring your, uh, bring your cardinals forward. I invite you to come and kneel here or stand here and, and, and pray or, or, or do whatever the Lord leads you to do. As the team comes and leads us in a, in a song, let's just enter into this time of prayer. Let me begin us with this prayer. Heavenly Father, Thank you for these powerful men of Scripture, Joshua and Joseph, who led the way for us to experience Jesus. God with us. God, in these next moments, let us listen to you. Maybe some of us, God, maybe it's a difficult thing for us to lay down our weapons, to lay down our expectations, to lay down our our. our our clinging to control. And we just need to rest in Your presence. Holy Spirit, to do so requires that we even trust You. And we cling to Your own Scriptures that You say to us, You will never abandon, You will never leave us. 
God, we come to you this morning, submitting ourselves to you in the hope that your Holy Spirit will come and speak to us, lift us up, guide us, give us wisdom, give us courage, bring healing to us, however you desire to bring the healing. We're listening to you this morning, Jesus. And we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you to come as the Lord leads you.
Lord, you've never left us or forsaken us. Sing this with us. For not for a minute was I forsaken. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. And come, Holy Spirit, dry bones awaken. The Lord is in this place. The Lord. today all we want is everything that you are. So Lord, we let go of our expectations of how our lives should go, how the circumstances of our lives should line up and fall into place. We surrender control to you today. Lord, as Joshua did with the, with the man who was standing in front of him with the sword, we fall on our knees and we say, what do you want us to do, God? What do you want us to do? Because we are not enough unless you come. But when you are here, and not only here in this room, but when you are with us when we leave this place today, we can do whatever it is that you've called us to do. So, Lord, we give up control today. We give up control today. We surrender to you. 
God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would go with us through the rest of this Christmas season. Lord, as we remember those today who we have lost in the last year. Lord, as we walk through those grief steps, God, we pray that you would just help us each step along the way to know that you're with us. We love you, Lord. We ask for your presence every day of our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. God bless you. If you still need prayer, if you still want to come and pray, the altar is still open. There are still folks at the prayer stations, still folks online who can pray with you for several more minutes. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us. Have a great week. Thank you.